0: You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, folks. You guys, we are in the last week uh, in a really long stretch in Hebrews. You with me? We've, been, we've been, we spent a bunch of time in Hebrews, and it's been such a wonderful book. Here we are in the last week of this series that we've been calling Heaven and Earth. And we've been asking, as we've been traveling through the book of Hebrews, we've been asking this one question. What does it mean? Like, let's really let this sink in. What does it mean that Jesus Christ, the incarnate One, is now seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, working for our good, interceding for us? praying for us, bringing the course of history unto the good purposes of God. That's mind-blowing. That's why we've had to spend so much time in Hebrews just trying to unpack what does that mean for folks in South Austin for us today. Well, this week, uh, we we finally arrive at chapter 10 in the book of Hebrews. And there's this really interesting turn that happens for us. This entire time, chapters 1 through 9, we have been looking at the priesthood of Christ. Jesus as our high priest, that one seated at the right hand of God, who not only is the priest of all priests, but also offers himself as the sacrifice once and for all, atoning for the sin of the world. This is our high priest. So now, Scripture takes this dramatic turn. And it and it changes. It shifts on us. And it's instead of talking about what has just happened, it actually turns its attention now to us. A few weeks back, um, I had the privilege of having coffee with Reverend Fulton here. He's one of my heroes and mentors in our church. If you don't know him, you need to get to know him. I love this guy. And he invited me over and he said, "Sean, do you know the difference between the indicative and the imperative in the Greek?" And I'm like, "Well, let's talk. Let's hang out." <laughs> So we got to talk and we went all through scripture looking about the indicative, those things that are about what God has done, the descriptions of what God has done. It's settled, it's done, it's finished, it's finalized. And then the imperative are those charges to us. Therefore, based on these things, understanding what God has done for you, live this way. Come to the how then shall we live? That's the imperative. Well, that's what we have here in Hebrews. We have this dramatic shift in in the attention of Hebrews from what God has done and kind of into this now, therefore, this is how we should live. Verse 12 begins like this When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, there's the what God has done. Here's what happened in verse 13. He sat down at the right hand of God and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. Can we, can I read that again? Sure, I'll read it for you again. That's so good. Let's let this, hear this people. Verse 12, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. Here's what happened. He sat down at the right hand of God and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. The writer of Hebrews has been making this, he's been setting up this one point for ten chapters. Look what God has done as our high priest, who has atoned for the sins of the world, now sits in absolute power as king, as Lord, at the right hand of God the Father. He is the sacrifice that swallows up in its entirety the sins of the world. And he now sits in power, ruling the universe and everyone in it. Our high priest, Jesus Christ, sits vested with all authority, all power, all vision. Nothing escapes his sight. This is the king that has atoned for the sins of the world now sits in power. Are you with me? So here in chapter 10, we we catch this really beautiful glimpse of what God has done, and now Jesus sitting in power. We arrive at the summit kind of of Hebrews. If you can kind of imagine reading through Hebrews, climbing up this mountain, we finally get to this kind of vista point where we can see this beautiful view. And at this view, that's when the attention turns to us. Therefore, my friends... In verse 22 it says, let us approach, therefore, because of what Christ has done and because he now sits in power, therefore, my friends, verse 22, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us approach the presence of God because of this thing. And verse 23, that's not it. That's one thing. Here's the second thing. It gets better. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, unwaveringly. For he who has promised is faithful. The one who made the promise always keeps his promise. So let's hold fast to the confession of hope. That's it, right? No, there's another one. Verse 24. And let us consider how to provoke one another then to love, to acts of goodness, not, not neglecting to do what we're doing this morning. Meeting together to worship with one another. Let's approach with a true heart in faith. Let's hold fast to the confession of our hope. Let's consider how to provoke one another. Pick fights about how we can love each other and gather for worship. Good fights. Loving fights. So now let's pause. Now that we've kind of seen where Hebrews has brought us. Let's pause and ask our question again. We've been asking this question. What does it mean then? That Jesus is our high priest sitting at the right hand of God... Interceding, working for our good, well, it sounds like what it means is that now, because of all that, because of what God has done, we can approach the presence of God, whereas before we couldn't. We can now come into the holy place because Jesus has cleared a way for us to come into the presence of God. It means that not only do we have a hope in Christ, but now we are actually capable of holding fast to it. We can hang on to it. Based on because we're so good at holding on to things? No. But because the righteous one who is in all power, who has sent his spirit to enable us to hold on fast to this hope. Why? Because this hope is unwavering. and It's unchanging. It's not going to go away. It doesn't change with your circumstance. If you're having a bad day, we still have this hope. And the spirit enables us to continue to hold on to it. That does not change. And finally, it means that we are free, in fact, invited to, in this really interesting language, to provoke one another to kind of push each other off of our comfort zone and say, no, let's love each other. Let's not just do the status quo thing that we're supposed to do as like nice Austin neighbors where everyone kind of drives their cars into their their, uh, garage and goes inside and never sees each other, waves when they get the mail. No, 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 no. Christians now say that's not good enough, actually. Because of the love and the hope and the presence of God that we now get to live in, let's provoke one another, even our neighbors, to love the way Christ has loved us. Let's provoke one another to think creatively about those great goodness acts of God. Those ways that we can participate with the goodness of God in his coming kingdom. Let's, be, let's find those creative acts of goodness toward one another. Can you imagine a community of people who know deep in their bones uh, that they have this hope and that they, they live and reside and pray in the presence of God and now are unleashed in their neighborhood to love, to provoke people to love? By demonstrating it themselves. Can you imagine a, a group of people unleashing our neighborhood like that? Oh man. That, that to me seems like Jesus' people, doesn't it? That to me would fulfill the promise that when Jesus says, When you come to me and you feast on my, on my body and my blood, you become my body in South Austin. We actually get to see the body of Christ, not just some sentimental way, but that community of people who live this way become the body of Christ, the presence of Jesus, not only for ourselves but for the sake of others. Can you imagine a community that deep in their bones believe that this is true? This is the church. This is what the church is called to be. This is who, despite us, God makes us into. This faithful community of friends who have such a hope in the person of Jesus who has cleared away for us as a high priest. You guys with me on this? This is good news. Amen. Preach, baby. This is what God does to us when we come to the sacraments. He, he makes us into his body. Not on our own accord, not by the the merits, not because we show up on Sunday and we've like checked all the Christian boxes. No, but because of his faithfulness, he's actually constituted for himself a people, a church, to be this presence in our neighborhood. Friends, let's ask. This is all this sounds wonderful. But let's get real for a second here. What keeps us from this? Why don't we? We know this. This isn't the first time. Maybe this is the first time and you're like, dude, this changes everything. I want to invite you, would you lead the charge? I'm provoking us to love. Like, go for it. i give you permission. For the rest of us crusty Christians who've heard this a bunch of times and we're, man, what, what keeps us from this? Let's think about this for a second. We have put our faith, our trust, our full weight in the person of Jesus. And this is where he leads us. This is the people that we're becoming. What keeps us from following? What keeps us from trusting? What keeps us from doing as Jesus does in our neighborhood? Listen to this. The guilt of sin. The guilt of sin that you carry with you. Yes, you Christians. That stench of death that just kind of keeps following you around in your life. It's been washed away. It has been put away once and for all. Through Jesus Christ, our high priest. We need to be reminded of that. You've been forgiven. If you have come to Jesus and confessed your sins... He has forgiven you, and he has put away that sin. He not only takes the sin of ourselves and all of the world, but he gives us access to God the Father, the Creator, the one who has formed you. He gives us access to him. And now that we are in God's presence and we are made safe, it's settled, we are his children. That is what God has done. We're filled with hope. We see where history is headed. We see what the proclamation of the kingdom of God actually means is that in South Austin, the headlines will more and more increasingly begin to point to what God is actually doing. This is settled. God is reconciling all things to himself. And so, as Christians, we have that hope. We're made safe in his presence. We have a hope that we can hold on to very tightly. We have the ability, because of all this, to give more than maybe we ought to give. Because all of the good gifts that we get are a gift from God the Father. And there's just like not a shortage on His end. His goodness is available to us. And we become His dealers in South Austin. And there's no limit to that. To our enemies even. Even to our enemies. Those people that we'd rather not hang out with. God says, no, I want you to deal goodness to them as well. I want you to deal forgiveness of sins to them. I want you to be my representatives even to them. Our neighbors that we wave to, we don't really know. Now, go and meet them. Knock on their door. Make this uncomfortable. Go love on those people. At a church here at Resurrection, we always say we are pursuing, and we really mean this, and we're wrestling with this. We are pursuing life together in the goodness of God. we talked about this, right? You've heard this? We have the audacity. I mean, we get the kind of claim that this is. We get what we're saying here. But we have the audacity because of Jesus that it's actually possible to share in fresh, new life in Christ. And that's what we mean when we say life together in the goodness of God. In community, together, overflowing with the goodness of God, the fruits of the Spirit, the forgiveness of sins, healing, bodily healing. There's going to be a time in the service today for that. Renewal. In our own lives, acts of love. Jesus has invited us to become His people and has no shortage in dealing out His goodness so that we can enter into that goodness and then deal it out to others. This is what Christ, our High Priest, has done for us. What keeps us from that? This morning, as we approach the throne of grace... In the altar, I want to invite you to take really seriously what it is that you are approaching and how it is that you got here. Do you think that you can come before the presence of God because uh, you, you got some cologne on today and you wear some nice clothes and you got a smile on your face and there's no like visible sin in your life? You think that's why? You can come. No, that is not why. You come to the altar this morning, not on your own accord, but because of the high priest who has cleared this way for you to come into the presence of God. And that's not where it ends. This is just where it begins for us. We become the recipients of a hope that is unfading, never changes, that we are secure in and we are provoked to acts of love and creative goodness, participating with the kingdom of God. This morning, I want to invite you To take inventory and to think, in fact, of those ways. We know this. What are those things in your life that keep you from participating with what's actually happening in reality here in this room and at the altar? The goodness of God being unleashed on us. The forgiveness of sins being unleashed and dealt out to us. What is keeping us from responding to this? If this morning you have never in your life decided to follow Jesus... You need to hear this. This is crystal clear because this is is for you. This is for all of us. Uh, But this is for you this morning. Jesus says, come. You don't even have to have your stuff together. And the secret is none of us do. None of us do. You're nothing special, in fact. And Jesus says, come to me because I can actually relieve you of that burden and guilt of sin that you struggle with. I'm the only one, Jesus says. I'm the only high priest who can clear the way for you. Forgiving all your sins. And that's not where it ends. And church, listen to me. It continues. It gets more and more scandalous. Jesus says, and I have goodness upon goodness upon goodness for you. I want you to become my ambassadors in the world. Forgiving sin. Provoking one another to love. Announcing the hope that we have in Jesus to others. It doesn't just end with you, but you become the ambassadors of Jesus. Little Christs or Christians is what that means. This morning, when we come before the altar and we hold out our hands, let's be really sober and clear-headed about what it is that we are receiving when we receive the body and blood of Jesus. This is a meal for baptized Christians, so if you're not baptized and you're not a Christian, we still want to invite you to come forward and be a part of this meal. And the way we do that is just put your hands over your chest and come before us and we will pray for you and ask for God's blessing for you. And during the, the time of Eucharist, once we've all received communion together, we're going to enter, enter into a, a time of healing prayer where we have, we have a bunch of priests. God, I mean, this is just awesome. Thank you, Lord, for this. But with these priests um, are commissioned in our church for acts of healing by the power of the Spirit. So let's actually come into the presence of God because of Jesus and his righteousness and pray for healing as though we are praying in the righteousness of Christ himself because we are and our Heavenly Father heal, hears us. So we're going to have priests on either side, and they have oil that our bishop has actually blessed for healing. Uh, And this is what I invite you to do as we receive communion after that time. Go and seek out these priests, and they will pray for healing in your life. This is going to be, um, we're going to have music, and it's just going to be a really focused time of coming to the Lord, entering into the presence of God, holding fast to that hope, and then realizing the gifts of the Spirit in healing and acts of love, worshiping together as we continue. Let's take a moment now just to silently reflect. We love silence. Don't worry, we'll be watching time. It's not going to go on forever. But we want to create a moment of silence for us to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to speak and work in our lives. let's do that together. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.